Hey all welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunski. On this show, we want to teach you how to take a data-driven approach to your health. So we look at all of the latest technology, all of the researchers, speak to as many of the health experts as we can. First of all, to help you learn how to capture and quantify data on your health. Second, to learn how to interpret that data so you can use it for better health decision making. That's what we focus on on this show. That's also why we've created the Heads Up Health app, which will allow you to link up all of your health information into one place and use our tools to start to use that information for better health decision making. So if you haven't checked out our app yet, head over to headsuphealth.com. And now let's get into the next episode. Welcome to Data Driven Health Radio. Hey, all, welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. And I am here with a good friend, a man I've known for a long time, Bob Troya. We've known each other for years, way back when, to the, some of the original biohacking conferences taking place in San Francisco. And your work is very well known throughout the biohacking world and just within people who are really motivated around N equals one. And you do some really, really incredible work. There's so much that we could talk about today, Bob. I thought about the key word for this show, and I want it to be fun. So I just got a bunch of questions I want to throw at you. Let's just see what sticks, because there's so many directions we can go here. But um, before we begin, tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got into all of this, and then I'll start blasting you with questions, and we'll laugh, we'll cry, and uh, we'll see where we end up from there. Sounds great. Well, well first off, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I know we've been trying to make this happen for a while. Um, like you said, we've known each other since I think probably like, I think that was six years ago was that first conference. So it's amazing how uh, time, you know, it's in relative terms, it's not a long time, but it's six years ago is a long yeah. time ago, I feel. Um, yeah, so my background is, uh, I think we run similar kind of backstories. Um, uh, I've had a long career in technology, uh, been a long time entrepreneur. Um, you know, my background was started off as a software engineer, uh, but in terms of, you know, the biohacking side of things, it was like a kind of a way I've always had a curious mind and having been an athlete and trying to figure out ways to optimize myself through training and diet and exercise, even back into like high school where we didn't have all these great tools we have today. It was much simpler back then, you know, notepads, pencil, paper, tape measure, stopwatch. Um, I was always trying to figure out like what things can move the needle, what things can, you know, have a positive effect versus a not so positive effect or no effect. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, I got in the real world, world of business, um, trying to be, you know, high performer all the time between running a businesses and yep. being in shape and, and all of that. And I, I, you know, I was, kind of curious and, and started looking into things like some acute health issues and, and issues that were helping I was dealing with in terms of uh, just some general fatigue and um, you know because I, I felt like I was doing everything right but I was like why am I just exhausted and it kind of got me down that rabbit hole of understanding more about just 
kind of rethinking actually my, my belief system around everything from diet and recovery, nutrition. Um, and at the same time, this quantified self movement was emerging where we were getting access to cool tools and devices and, uh, and, and actually just a community of people that were really into self-discovery and, and better self-awareness. Uh, and so for, for me, it's just been this constant quest for just, you know, trying to understand myself better. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of sort of dead ends and false starts and, and, but over time you build this sort of body of work of, of knowledge about yourself that, you know, you still have to constantly challenge it and rechallenge it. Cause I feel like things that I believed even five years ago, I've, I've, I've had the, you know, I've, I've challenged it to some degree, you know, as I get new information, um, or just my personal circumstances change. Uh, and so that's my, my background. It's really just, I'm, I'm just like you, <laughs> I'm just, you know, a, a person that's really curious. And, and I, I started, you know, really just about six years ago, um, just documenting some of these experiments uh, on my site more just because I wanted to get it down. Meticulously documented, by the way, they're very impressive. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was, you know, but it was just the data I was collecting and I was like, I had no problem sharing that information yeah. you know, online, but it was really just because I wanted to get it down somewhere. Not, not realizing that other people were actually seeking out some of the same issues or challenges or solutions. And um, so it was really cool to see when people would start contacting me and say, hey, that's so great, you wrote this up, I wanna to try to replicate that experiment. And that's where the whole idea of a single subject experiments or N equals one comes into play because is that a caveat of like, look, we can structure this experiment exactly the same and your results and my results will most likely be different. Uh, that doesn't mean that one is something's wrong or right. It just shows you how individual we are. And we have to kind of know our own personal uh, circumstances around, around anything. Yeah. So, I mean, we both were in these circles a long time ago. And I remember going to a lot of the first quantified self meetups in the San Francisco Bay Area. Probably they'd been going on before I joined, but they were like in somebody's backyard with like six people sitting around a circle and they got a few gizmos there and really, really early, early days stuff. And distinctly, I remember as I went to more QS meetups, what I took from those was unless you were a programmer, it was really hard to do anything with your data. And I think that's one of the advantages that you have with a lot of your experiments is that you, you can, write code to stitch things together in ways that the average Joe would not necessarily be able to do. Even some of your experiments where even just pulling data from a few different devices into like an online cloud database and being able to run some analysis on it. It's, it's non-trivial for the average Joe out there. That's kind of like what led me down the path of creating Heads Up Health because I said, well, how does this person who doesn't know how to write a lick of code pull from an API or run some analysis on the data. So that was really out of those early days. That's what set me down my own path, which was trying to build something that's more available for the masses. You've obviously got a benefit because you've got the engineering background. So you can do a lot more interesting stuff and we can get into a lot of those experiments, but I believe it was San Francisco and it was, I think Asprey's conference in the tenderloin. Where, that's right. Is that right? Printed out a bar. There was like a bar with like thirty of us, I think, in like yeah. the weekend. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where that's where Bob and I first met. This was like bulletproof conference number one, and I think it was like 2012. I think I paid like twenty five hundred bucks to show up at that thing. I'm like, I don't care. I'm devouring everything from this guy right now. So I showed up. Dr. Justin Marcajani was there. Shout out to Dr. J. You know, he's he's had a big impact on my health. And the guys from the um, Evo 
fit were there doing the neural the, the stimulation electrical stim yeah and i went i went and ended up getting one of those devices and i trained with that for several years it was yeah. you know it's a, like it was a special weekend i mean like i think there was other folks like ben greenfield were there aubrey marcus yeah. from on it was there yeah so like we had this really cool it was a really special like moment where we kind of self-selected ourselves and put yeah. us, our, us you know a bunch of strangers in a room and we all became really good friends out of it yeah it was a super cool event i remember ben greenfield it was the first time i'd met him but we, we had the, uh, what, what is it called? The, what's the device called from those guys? Uh, the POV. POV, yeah. yeah. So they had the POV. You basically connect these, let's just call them paddles to your body, and they're connected, and there's electrical stimulation that goes through all your muscles. And you can turn it up. There's a dot. This is just for everyone who's listening, not familiar with these guys. And I think I got it up to like 30%, and then I'm like, this is too much. Turn it off. Uh, and everybody had their own personal threshold. And, and then Ben walks up and just lifts his shirt up, slaps the paddles on his abs and dials it up to a hundred. And he's like, what's up? And he's just standing there like nothing. I'm like, wow, man, the guy's a badass. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and that's just using one sort of setting, you know, like in terms of the frequencies and power, like there's, yeah. a, it, it's, it's doing a whole bunch of stuff to override your nervous system and, and retrain your, your coordination, your muscle. Um, yeah. I'm actually very interested in that. As, as I mentioned before we jumped on here, I'm living in Phoenix, Arizona right now. And I know that Jay and Charles are based here. I've actually been to their gym here in Phoenix. They have, uh, I think it's, they have their own section of a gold's gym. I, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. That's right. But now that I'm here, I, I want to go start working with those guys and see if I can get my hands on one of those devices. So it's, it's been on my list of things to Excellent. do. So let's dive in here, Bob. Yeah, let's go. Here's a few ideas for you. Tell me what, tell me what you think. First of all, tell us about one of your epic fails on a biohack. Epic fails. Okay. So one thing I just want to state up front is, you know, we, we think of biohacking, we think of people doing crazy crap and injecting yeah. stuff or doing, putting themselves in weird situations. And, and one thing I like to tell people is I research the hell out of everything I do. So I try to like risk reward for me, like, you know, just, I don't want to be the craziest guy out there. So I, I definitely, um, my fails are fortunately nothing like putting myself in super amounts of danger, you but you like I put I've yourself had, in the hospital or done anything. Like uh, I put myself in the hospital, not from biohacking, just from lack of information. Like I, yeah. I once did a half marathon and if I had worn a continuous glucose monitor, I would have probably known I was under, I needed more um, electrolytes and stuff in my system, you know? And it was like, I ended up with two IV bags, but in terms of biohacking fails, well, let me I mean, rephrase the question. Something, something that did just completely didn't work the way you thought it was intended to work based on when you didn't experiment with any technology or product um, like that. Yeah, I've, well, I've, um, you know, we do a lot of experimenting with, with different types of, uh, like light therapy, mm -hmm. um, different you know, frequencies like infrared, red, and there's different powers. You put them on different parts of your body, whether you're trying to like stimulate parts of your brain or, or more like, um, photobiomodulation where you're actually irradiating your blood and your body. Yeah. Um, and I, I had ordered some, I mean, there's a lot of products out there now, but a few years back, I would have you'd have to kind of just order them from China and say, "I want these wavelengths." They would make them for you and got it. Pro lights, um, and I was doing some stuff where I was shining the lights. Um, I had a powerful one, it's like 120 watts or something like that. It was a pretty powerful, like uh, call it a UFO grow light. It's like it looks, it's a circular lamp, and I was putting it on my head just to because I was doing it on my body, but I, I put it on my head and I probably left it on for like 20 minutes, which is way too long. So it's super powerful mm -hmm. and 
I, you know, I didn't think much of it. I kind of like did it and then I started, I went up to work and maybe 30 minutes later I'm, I'm working and I, I kind of blinked for a second. I look at the, I was writing an email and I looked at what I was typing and it was like garbled. It was completely garbled. Like I had scrambled, like I, it was something weird happened where it just cool, my brain and I was just like, what the hell am I writing? I was like every other word, like misspelled letters and punctuation. I was just like, I don't even know what I'm writing here. So I'm like, I, let me just I accidentally eat some mushrooms or something because I'm uh, starting to hallucinate here. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was just really odd, but like I, it, you know, I wasn't even conscious of it until I kind of snapped out of it. I was like, yeah. what am I, what am I writing here? And so, you know, it was like, okay, I, I definitely stimulated something or upregulated or downregulated something. We don't really know what happened, but um, so I've become more careful with, you know, how I apply things like light and electricity on my head and, and those types of uh, things, you know, there's That's even cool. like, even, you know, TDCS with like electrical stimulation across your, uh, your forehead to like stimulate like your prefrontal cortex. I mean, you can eat, aside from the, you know, the, the dangers of having too much voltage and, and all of that, if the electrodes are not consistently wet uh, in a certain way, you can burn, you can create a little burn. So you can get like little minor injuries from the electrodes burning your forehead. And, you know, so the fails are like, that's that a good one. Fun. No, you, you you fried yourself a little bit. You're yeah. you got a little blurred vision. Had a little like yeah. uh, hallucinatory effect from a from a from an experiment. It's a good. Yeah, answer. I mean, you know, like, early, early, you know, biohacking. I mean, early on, we've all had our experiences taking way too much MCT oil and having you know me having to pants. work in New York City. Like I'm on the subway going, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> like I got to hold this in for another fifteen minutes because like, yeah. um, so that kind of stuff. yeah, cool digestive uh, issues. But and then for like, what doesn't work, I would say. You know, I, I've done some things where, and this is where it becomes highly individualized. Um, like ex for me, experimenting any, with it, nootropics, there's a lot I found that don't work for me. And mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they're not good, they don't work for other, I, I just know certain things, just my body just doesn't, you know, I've tried certain classes and categories of things and com combinations and I, and I just realized like, you know, maybe spent a lot of money on certain things that just don't, don't give me any benefit versus just drinking some caffeine. That's cool. So for people who are listening, we've, we've touched on a few different uh, technologies so far. We, we talked about the POV, which is, how would you describe that, Bob? So it's a device that, uh, it's a neuromuscular stimulation device. So what it's doing is it's got a set of electrodes um, that it's, it sends certain power and frequency that you apply to certain parts of the body, so on certain muscles. And what it's trying to do is where you think of like a muscle stimulator, like uh, for recovery, like a, uh, where it'll basically make your muscles contract. This is trying to actually make your muscles lengthen. So, so the idea is that when we have um, past injuries or other compensations, we want to protect that. So we tight our muscles will shorten, and we're and we want our especially like things like our hip flexors. We want them to lengthen and be long, and we can absorb force better. So from cool. a training perspective, we're teaching our bodies to override our, our brain is going to say no 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 we want to shorten and then this thing kind of goes it sends signals to the muscles faster than your brain can and eventually your body goes okay this is the proper signal and it's trying to reestablish the patterns like you had like an infant would have where they don't have they haven't developed any of these compensation patterns yep. you know so that's like the purest form um and so yeah you do different types of training you can also use the same technologies for uh rehabilitation if you've had like an injury Yep, cool. I remember being in there in their office in uh, Phoenix a few years ago, and there was a uh, young man in there who had a spinal injury and was in a wheelchair, and was starting to use this technology to try to recover some mobility. So there's there's physical rehabilitation, and then working with muscles on uh, eliminating uh, compens compensation effects. So that was that was one. I just wanted to briefly uh, recap these as people are listening. The second one was photobiomodulation which now seems to be coming uh, a little bit more mainstream. I personally haven't tested any devices. I know there's some good ones out there, 
but uh, is, is that something that's part of your regimen? It is. Uh, I try to, uh, both from a pre-workout, because almost you can almost give yourself a little bit of an energy, like a mitochondrial uh, upcharge yeah. <laughs> before sure. a workout, um, but I also like it as a, like a, a recovery tool. Yep. Um, I, you know, and, and not all lights are the same. There's different wavelengths. They all have different effects on the body and, um, there's different products out there too. And they'll have, some will have some similar overlapping frequencies, uh, or I mean wavelengths and others, you know, may have one or three. So it's, it's kind of like the wild west right now with that, but there's, Understood. there's, there's some, some people have compiled some pretty extensive, um, like a spreadsheet, all the citing all the research, all the studies that are out there that kind of show all the variables that were used in that study to kind of show like, was there a positive effect, negative effect? What were you trying to, what was the goal of that? So if somebody's goal was like, I want to, you know, just irradiate the body to increase energy levels. Mitochondrial energy, skin health. Yeah. Stuff like versus that. like, yeah, yeah, maybe wound healing is a different sort of a application of it or uh, hair, hair regrowth or, um, or just, you know, there's a lot of different, or, you know, uh, then we get into things like pulsing the light, which can entrain the body in different ways. So there's a lot of variables there, but in terms of just standing in front of or sitting in front of a light for 20 minutes, um, you know, it's, it's been shown to like have some pretty great effects on the body in terms of it's like, you know, just putting, taking that light in our body and giving it, it's like food for our, our mitochondria essentially. Yeah. I guess when a, a lot of, a lot of the technology that's coming out, a lot of the direction with, with quantified health, anything that can really get to mitochondrial health in general, whether it's using a ketogenic diet, whether it's using therapies that can, that can stimulate mitochondrial health or, just get that mitochondrial plumbing working better. Those seem to be very top of mind right now. Unfortunately, I don't, maybe you have an answer for this. Are there, are there ways that that can actually be, you can't just go to the phlebotomist and, and get reports on mitochondrial health. Have you seen anything out there that, that helps you validate stuff that, that claims to work on mitochondrial health? Um, I mean, there's always like proxies to show proxies. like energy yeah. production in the body, but um, there's, I think there's one doctor in the UK mm -hmm. that was, that had put together a special like a mitochondrial panel. Um, and and, it, and it's one of those like, she, it's, it's one of those situations where she's got this panel, but she's not accepting new patients. And it's like, you can't even get to her to be able yeah. like, Hey, I want to, I want to run this. Um, but you know, we, we look at things like, um, you know, especially in the biohacking world, we can get in kind of in the woo zone of there's certain tools and things that kind of measure the body's kind of energy levels and, and, and see what's going on there. So it's like a proxy to what's going on from a, say, mitochondrial yeah. perspective. But I just, I just treat all this as, you know, take the data out of the picture. Um, you know, I live in New York City and it's kind of a, uh, you know, an environmental hellhole, I'd call it, you know, it's, you know, in terms of quality of air and, and EMF and all this other stuff. So a lot of what I'm trying to do is, do things to help keep my head just above <laughs> above water, you know, make, do whatever I can to make sure uh, that, that the environment is itself isn't beating me down. And I can obviously do things to optimize my home and my living space, but, and you can just to some degree your workspace, but the environment itself, it's like, you're just exposed to that, you know, whether it's car exhaust and brakes, you know, dust and all that to uh, making sure you're, the water you're drinking is, is of quality. And, and so, you know, I, I feel as long as I can use whatever tools and, techniques I can, you know, come across to help me just maintain, you know, and that way you can thrive in, in, in this type of environment. Totally agree. I think that's a huge part of it is just being able to 
meet your environment where it's at and you got to show up with your own defenses to make sure that you're keeping yourself healthy. That may not be a concern in previous generations or, or parts of the world where we didn't have environmental issues, but now you do have to show up and make sure you're coming with all these defenses and it's just not stuff you get from the doctor. That's where all of this research gets really interesting. But let's change gears for a second here. Bob, if you had to log into Google Analytics right now on your website, and you had to guess at what would be the, the top two or three blog posts that have gotten the most action. What would you say those are off the top of your head? Oh, well, okay. It's pretty easy actually because it's the beginning of the year. So what does yeah. that mean? Everyone's, yeah. everyone's ready to get in shape, lose weight, whatever. So yeah. the, the top posts are going to be um, my experiments around fasting mimicking diet. Okay. Uh, it's going to be my experiment uh, around uh, just – I've written over the years about, uh, you know, bulletproof diet, that sort of aspect of um, kind of going in that direction and rethinking your sort of way. But which of, post specifically, if you had to pick the actual posts, would say this one's got uh, the most hits in the last 24 months or something like that? Uh, in the last 24 months, fasting mimicking diet post. Cause it's, really? it's yeah, just because uh, not many people have been writ written about it and it's fairly, now it's becoming more into the public uh, conscious because Walter Longo's book came out and, uh, you know, my, my post was more about doing a DIY version of it where I reverse engineered, um, his basically the, what the protocol is. Cause like they sell it as a commercial product and I found the original patents that outlined all the nutrient breakdowns and calculations. And I built out spreadsheets for people. Um, and so that, that post itself, cause I, I walk people through it. It's really, you know, it's pretty simple. Well, let, let, um, let's spend a minute there. Take us through it. Yeah. For, for someone who's, 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 an, who's, who's a beginner here, conceptually, what was the experiment and then what even is fasting mimicking diet? Let's, let's get into it here for people who need some basics. Sure. I, I mean, so we're familiar with uh, the, the concept of like there's fasting, whether it's like a water fast or you're doing intermittent fasting where you might be uh, eating all your meals in like say a window, eating window, of, let's yep. say, you know, eight hours or so. Um, so fasting mimicking diet came about. So Walter Long was a researcher who was showing how he could get basically all the benefits and effects of doing a, just a traditional water fast for like five days by allowing a certain minimal amount of uh, intake of, of nutrients. So a certain breakdown of food. So it's a very small amount of food and very specific ratios of terms of protein, fat, carbohydrate gotcha. over five days. And, and it's based on body weight and you, so you'll convert it to where I, so, you know, I mean, basically let's say the first, like the first day you would do like um, uh, basically about seven, four and a half to seven calories per pound of body weight. And that's a certain breakdown. I think it's like 10% fat. I'm sorry. Um, 10% protein, 56% fat and 30% carbs. And then the rest of the time you actually cut it down even more. So then you're just doing like three to five uh, calories per pound. Yep. Um, so for me, for example, when I did my first fasting mimicking diet, I think on day one, my total um, calories was probably around 750, 750 calories. And then, and then, and then the rest of the days was around 500. Yep. So, um, and the, you know, the, he had some, constraints about it. So his diet was built around, um, it, it was no animal products. We're trying to let the, basically there's some digestive system things he's trying to do. Um, he used a lot of like broths and all that, but I, I basically was able to replicate the, the nutrient breakdown by just using, uh, an avocado, some, um, coconut oil, some, some, uh, cauliflower and, um, some, uh, sweet potato or yam. Cool. And, and a little and a little bit of like sea salt. 
yeah. and and that got got and, and uh, oh and sorry and uh and some greens powder like if mm -hmm. you ever have like uh the yep. greens powder you put in water and, and that that got it like really close to the uh the recommended macros and so i basically did um you know the five day experiment and i documented i tracked like a ton of stuff over the five days so not just like my glucose and my ketones and body weight and body composition but um I was looking at blood pressure, tracking sleep, you know, um, heart rate variability, all these other, yep. all these macros. And I kind of figured out like, okay, at the end of it all, when I look back at the data, you know, I can see which, which were the things that were worth tracking, which things were like, yeah, that didn't really, that stuff didn't change a whole lot. So probably it was just way wasted. Effort. So which ones were kind of a moot point? Moot? Uh, like irrelevant. Uh, my, my blood pressure didn't really change that much. Um, I would say that was probably the main one that, um, you know, I looked at in terms of, uh, you know, HRV. Oh, drastic shift in HRV. Um, what were you measuring it with? Which, which app? So I, I use, um, every morning I do a spot check with, um, uh, HRV for training because okay. you can use like the aura ring, but that's an overnight average. Uh, Understood. Yeah. HRV um, for training. Very familiar with it. Yeah, so okay. it, you're doing a, a morning, morning baseline reading with them. Yeah. And so you, you know, you do get, you have your baselines before the experiment. Cause you want to yep. see your moving average. And Got then each morning I would, and you want to look at not just like a score, but you want to look at the raw data. You want to look at the LF and HF because those are yep. your, you know, the ratios. And I saw this pretty dramatic um, shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic, which, you know, so basically my body was actually doing better. My, um, as Hang I got on a second. So as you got deeper into the experiment, you, you were seeing a shift from sympathetic to parasympathetic, which is, Cool. So it wasn't putting stress on the body. Is is that what you were observing? It was shifting you more towards uh, parasympathetic. Exactly. Very yeah. Cool. I mean, I mean, I well. So one thing to add to this though is I did blood work pre post because one of the big benefits that they claim with this type of diet is it's all about the re the fast is like you know you're going through that process, but upon refeed, the refeed is where your body goes. Okay, I'm not starving, and it releases all these growth hormones. So things like testosterone and stuff will just yeah. shoot up. Yep. Um, and so that was my goal was to see, um, a, I was trying to get, see if my, uh, some of the immune system markers would go up and, and the growth markers. Well, that's um, cool. Cause I know that the, the five day fast can really have a huge impact on immune system regeneration. And exactly. if you're correct in that, there's also a huge boost in some of the hormones that would be really interesting. So you did blood work before and then blood work after the refeed. Is that right? Correct. Cool. Exactly. And, and I did have a huge uptick in uh, my testosterone levels went um, pretty, uh, you know, pretty dramatically up, um, yeah. which is pretty, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas, um, uh, but well, in terms of stress, though, even though my HRV was going up the whole time, I did have, uh, I did have some higher cortisol. And I do think this, there's a bit of, you know, there is a stress on the body. Sure. Term, but I, but my but it didn't affect me from the standpoint of doing you know doing that baseline morning reading because I think I was sleeping a lot better. Yeah. Um, I had to you know and, and you, as you know like if, you, if you're in ketosis like so after you know by the time you get to like day four day five like I was having just these like really vivid dreams. Love um, it. Because I'm running on ketones at that point you know it's like yeah. I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm beyond. Too. Yeah. So I'm I'm out of that like nutritional ketosis. I'm more now in a therapeutic. Yes. You know I'm getting deeper. So um you know and so this and. And this is something that, you know, in retrospect, I would say, you know, I've done other, I've done like water fasts and I can pretty much get to the same place in three days, two and a half days of a water fast versus, cause in this, when you're eating a little bit of calories, I'm still going in and like my, if you, when I charted my glucose and ketones, there's like a, 
it's like a sine wave because you know every yeah, time you eat a little bit of food, it's gonna go up and yeah. come back down. Um, versus like if I just did a water fast, you know, it's just gonna like after you know after like a, like two and a half days, you just see the, like the hockey hockey stick ketones right shoot up. Um, and but that three days isn't enough for me to get to the state of like for sleep and dreams. I think you still need to get to about a five day fast, regardless if you're using water or or just doing yeah. the FMD. Yeah, there's a woman who does our social media, Lily, and she did a seven-day water fast, and she said, actually, it was eight days, and I've heard this from a few people where they just reached a state of almost euphoria. It's almost like a drug where you're just high. You just feel so good. Is is that something you, you experience? Yeah, I mean, because, you know, your body, you, you, I had been, you know, doing fasting before this experiment, and so, I, you know, in terms of just shorter fast, like a, you know, sh- short water fast, intermittent fasting, so I... I, I was, I'm not going to say I'm, I eat a, I'm a ketogenic person, but I'm, I'm pretty keto adapted. So yeah, I can, same. I can shift really, I can shift, you know, fuel source really easily. Um, so for me though, the, when I got to about date the last day, cause like that, it was that like moment where you start getting the, like the dreaming and stuff, but in terms of just humming along energy wise, I mean, like any fast, you know, at the fifth day, uh, if you're not, if you're keeping yourself busy, you're not thinking about it a whole lot. But if you were like just sitting home all day, you're probably just like, ah, you know, I just want to go to bed because it's like I'm bored. I want to eat something mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. because like, not that you're hungry. You're just like, you know, it's nothing to do. <laughs> so I always tell people like, you know, do it because people come to me wanting to do these types of um, like either an FMD or a more traditional water fast. And they're like, well, I want to do it. And it's a nice, quiet weekend. I was like, no, do it when you're like really busy during the yeah. work week. You're gonna, yeah. like, you're not going to think about it. Totally. Yeah. So next question, Bob, if you had to only rely on a single metric to guide your health and you could only pick one and you said, okay, for the next couple of years, you know, if I could only track one thing to help me calibrate, what, what do you think for you is, is your primary measurement? Understand that changes over time as we grow and new stuff comes on the, on the market, but which, which metric for you is, is probably, I would say, most important if you had to pick one? Uh, I would say as a proxy to a lot of other things, I mean, well, it's, it's kind of a toss up, but I would say, um, glucose. Same. Um, cause I mean, I'm, I've tracked it enough where I don't need to do it every day, yep. but, um, but I do think having that snapshot, you know, like I know, you know, so if I was to say like, okay, for the next, you know, six months, I'll just only do glucose. And if I had to shift after that, my next proxy would probably be heart rate variability. Because I would probably be like, because those are, because those to me can open up a can of worms in terms of like, well, if something's out of whack, now we have to figure out what's causing that. You know, sure. why is that out of? But it's and it's a simple. I mean, I tell people it's like such a simple thing to measure. You know. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, for me, the most important one is my blood sugar in the morning. I can tell so much about what's going on just with that number, and. I also do the, uh, I've got the elite HRV core sense here, which I've I just ordered that. Like I literally just ordered that over the weekend. Yeah. It's slick. you know, I was putting the chest strap on and waiting for the yeah. to sync with the phone. It doesn't sync. And next thing you know, a, a quick exercise starts dragging on and I'm trying to get out the door in the morning. So, uh, shout out to Jason Moore and the crew at elite, very slick device. I'm excited so, to get mine. Like I, I said, I bought it uh, about three days ago. So it's, it's, I'm, I'm tracking the package as it ships. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, man. It's just on my desk. I wake up, I start my day, put my finger in there, get the HRV reading. It's just a hundred times better than using the chest strap. So that's cool. Glucose, HRV, um, love it. I think there's probably a ratio in there that some people are starting to look at. 
especially when you do like food sensitivity testing where you could take a postprandial glucose and also look at an HRV reading. So at some point we might start putting those together in Heads Up Health. I think that's some of the work that uh, the guy Alessandro Beretti is working on in, in looking at glucose HRV co correlations for like food sensitivity. Does that ring a bell? Uh, I've seen some of his work, some of his write-ups. Um, I think that's I, one I area that he's looking at. I mean, I, I've done this. I've done those kind of separately. Like I've, you know, worn continuous glucose monitors or done like, you know, food, like um, understanding my personal glycemic response to different yeah. foods. So I know like, well, if I have white rice, this is what's going to happen and versus eating, you know, a uh, sweet potato, you know, something. So we get a lot of requests from people about continuous glucose monitors. I have said this before on the show, but when that technology can become generally available to the population, where it's as simple as putting a, something on your wrist or a patch on your skin, it's non-invasive, it's, and it's gen, like you need a prescription here to get one of those things uh, right now. But I think that's going to be such a game changer because the average Joe is going to be able to wear this thing. And the average Joe is probably not going to carry their glucometer to the restaurant and do a one, two, three hour postprandial on stuff and figure out what really sets them off in terms of glucose. So are you seeing anything out there that's, that's accessible without a prescription for continuous glucose monitoring? Oh no, that's, that's the billion billion dollar question, right? Like, um, there have been many companies who have said, even like the Googles of the world who try yeah, you to hear about it. it. And, and, you know, and I get in the base, the base with people like I'm, It'll happen, but I think it, I think honestly, my, if I'm going to put my money on it, I'm going to say we're about ten years out. Yeah. Because because the do non-invasive, just the the sensing technology to be able to measure the glucose through the skin or however yeah. you're doing it, it's just we're not there. Not and there we, yet. We'll get there. Like we, you know, we look at look at the Moore's law with with chips, you know, computer yeah. chips, and all that. It's like you know the sensor technology will get there. Yeah. Um, it's just that unfortunately right now it's got to still be slightly invasive. So you know, but you get these like. You know, I, I, I have a couple more of these um, little freestyle um, lever sensors, you know, the ones that require a prescription coming and, and you wear them on the back of your arm. They last 14 days. But what's cool is like, you know, you otherwise, I don't know what's happening while I'm sleeping. I, I learned like that I go hypoglycemic sometimes. And then if I look at my sleep data, it goes, hey, you know why you woke up a bunch of times overnight? Because your blood sugar was dipping. And so mm -hmm. your body is going to wake itself up, get a spike of cortisol and you're going to blood sugar going to come back up. So those are things you can't, if you're just pricking your finger, you know, it's, it gives you some insight, but those are, you know, only a few data points. I mean, I, you know, beyond just looking at things like, you know, your, your food talent, you know, your response to carbohydrates or, um, I think continuous glucose monitoring, you know, like think of, I mean, I, the story I tell about doing, you know, that half marathon where I bonked out a half mile from the finish line. If I had that continuous glucose monitor on it's like, Bob, you need to like eat some gels or you got to do something now. Like your, your, your sugar is tanking. Like, yeah. Like yeah, we're, we're dying to get our hands on one that we can integrate. I know the Dexcom API, I believe, is open now. Uh, it, was, it was a while ago. We just haven't actually looked at integrating that yet. But I would love to be able to start getting five-minute glucose monitor samples into Heads Up Health, starting to overlay that with things like five-minute heart rate variability samples, which would come in from the order ring through the sleep cycle. And you could start to see that data overlaid with 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 each other so we're yeah. i'm hoping that happens sooner than 10 years probably not but i think yeah. that i mean the, the, and the one the one sort of caveat with those continue like not the dexcom ones but the uh the ones that you're kind of the patch ones you're wearing on the back of your arm because yeah. they are 
nor- the normal ones, you have to calibrate those several times a day. Oh, really? Make, yeah, like the, the, the medical ones, the it's ones that like actually like diabetics yeah. are using. Yeah. Um, the, the ones that you wear on the back of your arm, the little patches are factory calibrated, which is good and bad. It's, it's, it doesn't require you to calibrate them, but it, depending on where you place it on the back of your arm, they're, 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 they're assuming you have a certain amount of fat on your skin, you know, when a little tiny needle goes yeah, under. Understood. So I've seen, depending on where I've placed it, I've had to find my sweet spot um, where I know it's going to be close to what the measurement should be. So we, you can you can have like values that are way off. Like I've had sensors that were off by like 15 points, milligrams mm-hmm. per deciliter. The, the, the trends were accurate. Like the actual, if you look at the graph, the actual, you know, the way, the shape of it, but you had to, but I had to move all the values by like 15 points because it was just, uh, it was over-reporting everything. Cool. Um, when I, so, so something, good to know. yeah. So, so people play, play around with like figuring out, you know, cause like they have to assume the average person probably has, for, at least for me, at least probably more, a little more fat on the back of their arm than I do. And so that's, you know, when I, if you don't have it there, so I have to move it higher up in my arm to where maybe there's a little bit of, of fat you up a little bit, Bob. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> put, it, on, put it on my... to a high carb diet, <laughs> I'll get you onto a highly high refined carbohydrate diet. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so you've also got the uh, entrepreneurial bug, as do I. So well, tell us about some of the things that you've got your fingers in right now on the entrepreneurial side. So entrepreneurial stuff, um, you know, I built some businesses in the past that were not in this space. They were um, technology, kind of marketing, digital marketing-driven businesses. Um, so this, you know, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing was always out of a personal passion. So now sure. I'm at a place where, um, uh, you know, I'm kind of able to marry some of the passion and purpose and let's call it skill set and things that, that get me out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. that be, you know, get me excited um that's so winning man when you can pull all that stuff together and, and get to make your livelihood your passion that's, yeah so that's i mean some of the job. stuff i'm working on is you know i stuff that i had built for myself like um like I, I, let's say i take things maybe to the extreme in terms of some of the data tracking and data collection and but i'm and i'm trying to figure out ways to simplify some of this for like my parents like what's mm-hmm. you know like if they're like there's certain tools out there to do meal tracking that are, you know, really great. And they're, but it's like super challenging to use. And so, yep. you know, we kind of built, you know, like I built a simple food tracking tool and um, that uh, it just allows people like to do it with, without, you know, two pushes of a button you're done and there's yep. no real, um, you know, challenge to it. Everyone knows how to use it. Everyone knows how to use it. What's phone. it called? Did you launch it? Uh, yeah. It's just called awesome. Yeah, I think I came across that recently. So if you search for um, awesome meal tracking, like we, uh, buddy, uh, another biohacker friend of yours, um, and myself built it um, uh, over the last year. We, we, you know, we're, we're both rolled up our sleeves. We said, we can just, let's just build a mobile app. We didn't know a yeah. whole lot about doing mobile apps. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, it's something I need for myself. And, yeah. you know, and I've got some coaching clients and things that need, you know, I needed a simple tool for them. So I, I you know, just built it. And, um, and yeah, and that, tools like that uh, in New York City. So I've got... Um, collaborating on the first uh sort of biohacking space uh in new york so in terms of um, efficient exercise and training and recovery and so we've got everything from the only arx machines uh, adaptive contract i'm sorry (laughs) adaptive strength training uh machines um it's open now it's open for business uh yeah it's it's open there's uh it's called hacked fitness h-a-c-k-g fitness so i had a i had a bunch of my my own equipment in a space that um that was another location uh, long story short was I moved my stuff out because this facility was opening and it was like a perfect match of like the technologies and tools um, that are there. So there's everything from the efficient exercise, like, you know, 25 minute workout on the ARX. It's like, you're just, I, like, I think we mentioned before this. You were call, like, I, 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 call. You just, I just did a workout. I'm like, that's awesome. 
Um, you know, and then, you know, things like oxygen training. So there's a product called Livo2, um, yeah. we can manipulate all sorts of things in your physiology using, using concentrated oxygen, uh, pulling from room air and, and, and measuring your blood oxygen saturation, your pulse rate, et cetera. Like things like we talked about light therapy, um, infrared saunas, there's a device called NanoV that um, helps your body uh, kind of repair cells, cellular damage from oxidative uh, stress. There's uh, some other tools that use kind of artificial intelligence to tailor uh, almost essentially what you'd get in a 45 minute cycling workout. And I mean, I'm not even kidding. It's like eight minutes. It's yeah. like a, so like this whole concept of like really efficient, like people want, you know, New York, especially in New York city, we're all, whether you're like a, a parent or an entrepreneur, it's like time is like our one constraint. We all have this 24 hours in the day. And so how are we optimizing that? So it's all about being smart about training and also recovery, which I think a lot of people need to, you know, that's just as important. And yeah, so it's, it, you know, the, the space just opened uh, about a month and a half ago, kind of in the soft launch mode. And, and yeah. it's cool. Like people are with, with really no promotion. Um, just the word of mouth through the community. Like someone will come in town and they'll be like, Hey, I want to come, I need to go do a workout or something. And I'll be like, Oh, go check out the space. And, and you'll never know who rolls through the door on any given day. Um, so for me, that's fun because I get, now I'm getting to like become a data guy. So now I get to see people training. I, a lot of, I have a lot of data points to, to look at because I could, cool. I see these people using all, this, all, this tech, all these tools that are collecting data. Um, and we can see how to, how to manipulate and, and develop these pro programs around that to uh, tailor it to people's um, goals. Cool. So, uh, hack. Uh, sorry, hacked is the facility in New York City. Yep. Hack. Hack fitness. Yep. Awesome is the meal tracking app. Awesome. Yep. Is meal tracking app. And your experiments are published at Quantified Bob. Experiments are at a quantifiedbob.com, and I, I share a lot more on Instagram as well, which is more kind of like off the cuff stuff. Maybe like what I'm working on at the moment. So I often yep. will, you know, maybe I haven't written up something yet. Yep. Um, like there's probably. Th four or five other experiments that I haven't posted yet, but you've probably seen some of the results on the Instagram account. So it quantified Bob on Instagram as well. And it's, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, um, kind of best place to find all that information. And I, you know, I share, you know, if anybody ever has any questions, feel free to, uh, you know, email. I, I, you know, I also do like, you know, coaching, consulting, all these other things. It really depends on what, you know, the person's goals are, but I'm always, I'm always happy to answer some questions if someone has a question. Right on. Well, I know you've uh, provided a lot of guidance to Heads Up Health over the years, so always grateful for that. And nice. Yeah, well, it's been great to see you guys. You know, you've taken it so far. I remember when you first had this idea in your head, and I think we met at uh, a conference. You were like, "Hey, Bob, I want to show you this thing I'm working on," and I was like, "Yeah." Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's taken on a life of its own. It's still my baby, and it keeps it keeps growing. There's when it's your own when it's your own baby, it's never as far along as you want it to be. So we've got our vision and we're, we're moving towards that sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, but we're always making progress. So it's a labor of love, but man, it's just been awesome knowing you over the years. You do some really, really amazing work. You, you, you publish that work in ways that can really educate a lot of people. And it's just been uh, really cool keeping in touch with you over the years. Congrats on yeah, your business ventures. I know you're probably Thank got you. a lot more uh, in the hopper back there somewhere. That, that, that's different stages of percolation. Oh yeah. I mean, there's things that are going on that aren't like, like they're not ready for prime time yet. So I can't like <laughs> share, but um, yeah, yeah, there's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's the mindset of an entrepreneur, right? You're always coming up with things. Yeah. So, so if, if anyone's listening or not familiar with Bob's work, there's just really, really amazing trove of information at his website, quantifiedbob.com. And if you're in New York City, go see him at Hack. Hopefully I'll be able to take you up on that at some future point. Definitely, man. I'd love to have yeah. you.
I'll be trying awesome soon. Maybe there's an API we can pull the data into Heads Up Health. That'd be sweet. Getting there. Not quite yet. Right. Um, you know, right now we're just focusing on the user experience because yeah. uh, we, we had to make it like before, you know, crawl before you run kind of thing. Like I, you know. Oh man, that's my life story. You don't have to tell me about that. Well, I, you know, I, I, being a, you know, I'm a software guy. So like you can easily over-engineer something right off the bat. And I was just like, you know, do you want to, I don't want to over-engineer something if nobody wants to use it. So, well, like, I mean, you were smart enough. You had the self-discipline to pull yourself in because sometimes you, you, yeah. you just get too far down and, and you, you're like, oh, man, I should have just threw this out there a while ago and then started iterating on it. So yeah, I'm able to have the discipline to do so. Thanks. Yeah. Awesome. And like, like I said, best of luck in, in with, with your, uh, your ventures here because, I mean, it's, uh, like you said, it's taken on a life of its own. It's, uh, it's cool to see. Yeah, well, this has been good. Hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll have more opportunities, especially as, as more of your uh, interesting work comes out. So I, I'd say this is the first of several appearances for Bob on the show. It's been fantastic, man. Have yourself a wonderful weekend, and we'll have you back soon. Thanks, you too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio.